Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Work Therapy Podcast, where the struggle is real, but the possibilities are endless. I'm Brooke, your host and founder here at In Good Company. If you're tired of feeling alone in the struggle, we're here to help. Work Therapy is an in-depth and spirited exploration of the modern work landscape. From navigating difficult conversations with colleagues to mastering the art of work-life integration, we're here to bring you wisdom that's both insightful and actionable. Well, hello, hello, everybody. So glad you're joining today and excited to have Dawn uh, Weibel. And Dawn is the founder of an organization called Talk More Tech Less. And it is a digital wellness and safety company that provides tools and resources for communities and families to what she says, tech responsibly by learning um, to be healthier and safer on screen. So, so excited to have you and talk about digital wellness in the workplace and also like how technology can distract us. But first on, uh, before we go into our check-in question, I'd love for you just to share more about, uh, just an update about what you're currently working on in the digital safety and wellness space. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Brooke. Um, I love, I'm very passionate about this topic and love talking about it. I started doing online safety trainings in schools and um, digital wellness trainings in schools about 10 years ago. So it's really evolved into a lot of advocacy. And that's kind of what we've been focusing on lately. Um, I recently got back from a trip to D.C. where we did um, participated in the Senate committee hearing where the top five big tech CEOs were there, Mark Zuckerberg, Snapchat, TikTok, Discord, and X, which is used to be Twitter. So just being there with the survivor parents that have endured some online harm issues with their kids, and they're just asking for a safer environment for um, kids to engage in the internet and, and on these platforms and to hold the platforms accountable for that. So I work with that group. It's an online harms prevention group, and I'm the co-chair um, of about 60 online safety professionals and parent survivors. So it's an honor. It's an honor. They've changed my life. They've changed my work just being able to participate with them in that advocacy. So yeah, what started as education has really evolved into this new stage. So I'm learning all the things related to legislation and policy. It's all new to me. So, um, but I'm enjoying it. Well, thank you for being on the front lines for all of us. Um, I know that that's like a gritty, messy place to be. And yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, well, and I'm a mom. I have three boys myself. So we're in the middle of it. I have a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old, all a part of a big public school, definitely use these platforms for sports and social media. And, um, you know, so it's a part of our life and a part of our world. And there's some movements that are, hey, no tech or super low tech, um, but that's not our reality in my family and my life. And so um, I'm really walking this road as well. Yeah, well... Excited to dive in today. And before we do, check-in question. Uh, what's the, your favorite app on your phone? Yes. So my favorite Currently. my favorite app, and I've had this app for years actually, is called the Centering Prayer app. And it's a meditation app. And it is so good for me because I am a goer and a doer. And it is really hard for me to be. 
um, that's my growth. And so this app, it's beautiful. It has a little opening gong and it has, you can set it for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, however long. And you literally just sit there and it helps you to be still. So that's my, my stillness app is my favorite one. I love it. I love it. Mine is, uh, the Spotify app because they recently introduced audiobooks and I am a huge, huge audiobook listener. And, uh, you know, I was spending a lot of money over at Audible. So it's like kind of amazing that I can, and a lot of times if I love a book, I'll like download it on Kindle. But now I feel like I can just screen these books on Spotify, not pay for them. And then if I love it, you know, so anyways, my bank account is very happy yes. as well. <laughs> That's a good one. But That's a good one. Yeah, it's amazing. I keep telling people too, I don't think everybody fully realizes that there's audio, like all these audible books on Spotify now. So if you haven't done that and you're listening or watching, Go search for a book that you've been wanting to listen to and see if it pops up. And I bet it does. Okay, well, well, let's dive in. So tell me, let's just start. I think a good place to start would be like, what is the definition of digital wellness? Just so we can all get on the same page. Yeah, that's great. So the simplified version of digital wellness is healthy technology and phone use. It's really our relationship with our technology. It's choosing what's good for our minds and our bodies over the allure of addictive screens because we are humans first. Yeah. Um, and it's building healthy habits that promote our well-being. And the goal of digital wellness is to get to a place in your phone use where you're feeling good going into it and coming out of it. And so you're choosing things You're choosing the different apps and going through and regulating times and setting up different um, things to help you to help support that, to help support. It's it's called digital flourishing when you can get to that point. And um, I've been doing digital wellness education in schools and in companies and organizations, even church groups, um, because it's such a huge part of our life. The latest statistic shows that we spend 22 hours with our phones nearby us. So it's like, why aren't we talking about this important thing? Um, And every time I do, there's easy conversation because technology is a huge part of our life and people want to talk about it, how it's affecting them. That is just crazy. I just still can't get over 22 out of 24 hours a day. Yeah, I know. I always say, where are those two hours? That I don't, don't want it to it. be true. You know, <laughs> I'm like, don't be true. Don't be true. And I think speaking of like your phone. Okay. So we've got the definition of digital wellness saying like, you know, what I heard you say is like, okay, it, it's such a part of our lives at this point. We can't not make this a part of our conversation in family yeah. life and organizational life. Like it needs to be something that's discussed and talked about. And I would add on to that, like digital effectiveness and, you know, distraction, because that's there. Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, we've had people who are like, okay, this person's like constantly looking at their phone. Like clients will be like, what are we, what do we do about this? Because it's not necessarily... I mean, yeah, you can look it up and find some, you know, ideas and things like that. But it is a conversation that has been popping up in the organizations that I work with as well. So I would love to know from your expertise and background, like what what do you suggest for organizations on like phone policies and when it comes to like the distraction piece of tech? Yeah. um, So U.S. businesses lose an estimated $650 billion when it comes to distractions yearly. 
um, that's a that's a huge number. And yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, and when you say um, digital distractions, it's in the billions, and specifically related to the phone. And so we know that it takes twenty three and a half minutes of refocus when we get distracted by something to get to that deep level of focus that we were in while we were mm-hmm. working on whatever the project was whatever that text was or whatever we're doing, it takes us 23 minutes to get back to that deep level of focus. And so distractions are a big part of loss of productivity Um, and really being our most productive, most creative selves. I love the book. Gloria Marks wrote the book Attention Span, um, and she's out of the University of California, Irvine, and she, she has such good data on what our attention span is doing. And, and she even goes into younger and younger generations and what the attention span, the shortness of film and how, um, you know, we used to be able to sit and we can think about this and with kids, we used to be able to sit in a long theater, you know, a long movie in a theater, sit down and watch a full Disney. And now the videos are short little clips and they're getting shorter and shorter, like a TikTok reel um, gets shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. And so our, our attention span goes along with that. And so it is really, really important for us to focus on what it looks like to use our technology to serve us, to help make Mm -hmm. us more productive. Um, Gretchen Rubin from the happiness campaign, she studies happiness and loneliness and cultures. And she uses the phrase technology is a good servant, but a bad master. And so Mm. if we can posture our technology in that way, where it really is serving us right now, it's serving us, right? We got this camera to work for (laughs) us. Yeah, I know. Uh, Everybody's getting to listen to, you know, this important message. So it's serving us in a lot of different ways. Um, But when it begins to master us and that can go, you know, you can go off into the tangent of ethical design or unethical design of our technology and how it's designed to be addictive and to keep us in it longer or to distract us so that we'll stay in that app. Um, Those are things that actually can hurt our work and hurt our productivity. And so to answer your question, a lot of companies come up with cell phone policies. Um, My son just got a job, an after school program. And he goes into work and has to leave his phone either in the car or at the front desk. And it's just a way that kids don't have their AirPods in the whole time they're at work, that they're actually engaging with the kids that they're watching in the after school program, different things like that. And when it comes to working from home, there's also ways that you can do that for yourself to help limit your own digital distractions for yourself if you don't have a workplace where there's a cell phone policy or different things like that in place. Yeah, and I've also found too, a lot of people just, you know, because a lot of companies will use, which is effective, as long as you have boundaries around it, like, you know, Microsoft Teams or Slack or Google Chat and the problem with it's a great way to communicate, but if somebody needs to go in like a place of deep work, you know, and they're getting pinged, like you said, and then there's like a request that comes in, it's like, oh gosh, like anybody can access me at any time. And now I'm like thinking about this other thing they asked and I'm like going and looking for it. But now I forgot where I was on this like project, you know? And so, you know, one thing we did an experiment 
uh, with an organization I worked with last spring, because this was an issue, people were just finding like they had no time to get the deep work done. And so we just said, okay, let's experiment with like two hours on Tuesdays in the morning, two hours on Thursdays. And everybody's putting do not disturb on their tats and nobody's going to reach out to anybody. And this is like kind of sacred space. And it was really, really effective. Um, People felt less overwhelmed. They felt more productive. And so that was just a boundary that we just said like, hey, refrain from communicating, right? I think that's part of it, right? As an organization, you can support people. And I think because sometimes people probably feel like, oh, I can't set up a boundary because that's not how we work as a culture. Like I need to be available. So I think the first step is for organizations or if you're, you know, working for a company and you're feeling like this saying like, hey, can we be more explicit about what the expectation is, right? Of uh, do we need to be available at the drop of the hat? Can we have certain hours of the day that we respond to messages and texts, things like that? And then, you know, second of all, I do think it's, I just had a conversation actually with my husband a few minutes ago. He's feeling overwhelmed because somebody was giving him work to do and like interrupted him. And it part of like having even technical boundaries, boundaries in general is saying, you know, and being an effective work somebody that's effective at their job is saying like, I'm not going to necessarily take on all the work that these other people are giving me. Right. And I think that can happen. Like other people's priorities can be put onto you and no is a very important thing to be able to say, or not now to be able to reduce the distraction. Um, and the way that we can, you know, use technology to serve us and instead of master us is to, like you said, like the do not disturb function on your phone or on yeah. your computer and setting up those boundaries because people probably, we can't ex- wait, wait for other people to do that for us necessarily. Right. And if we think about the two purposes of technology are to make us more productive, make production easier for us, make yeah. us more productive and to connect us. The Mm -hmm. where the pitfalls are is we think we're more connected because we're available to everyone. But the truth Mm -hmm. is we are overconnected and disconnected with each other when we're doing that shallow connection where we're just available all the time rather than really reaching out when someone needs something and having, like you said, it's it's countercultural for us to have those boundaries to say, Mm -hmm. hey, this is I'm in the middle of this right now. Um, But we're having to do it because we answered the phone or we answered the text. But if we do have those notifications limited, that's the really the number one way for us to increase our productivity is I think it was so wise what you did with your group to have those block times where you're Mm -hmm. setting notifications, you know, swipe up and hit the moon is what I say. Swipe up and hit do not disturb we know that authors that are trying to do really deep work and, and writers that are trying to write a book or hammer out um, and get to that deep level of focus have to have to do that. They have to block off important time. Otherwise, their writing is going to be more shallow and they're not going to get to that deep level of flow where they're um, where their thoughts are coming and they're able to do their deeper best work. And so, yeah, I think the notifications are are a huge part of it. 
And then having that, um, you know, evolving with technology, technology's evolved in this way. If we look at screen time settings, every update, they're getting better and better. Um, another yeah. feature that my son had at his last job was that he would be able to turn on focus. And the only people in his screen time settings, he could go in and set up his own focus um, settings. And the only people that could call him while he was at work were his his father, myself, and his boss. And so he wasn't distracted by his big group texts from his friends and all yeah. of that. And so, yeah, using our technology as it's evolving to, to work for us and to support us in our work and in our connections. Yeah, I think that's such a good, I love that you brought up those two points. Like, is this increasing my productivity or is this enabling me to be connect, like to connect like to inspiration to a person yeah. or is this is this a distraction is this procrastination whatever that is i think it's though like just having maybe two i i'm such a fan of like what are some trigger questions that i can ask that can kind of like give me like a sense of where i'm at with something immediately like a, okay is this supportive for me or not or yeah. like restorative or is it bringing like momentary relief and it's not really healthy or helpful in the long term. So I love that. It's like, is, is this allowing me to be productive? And is this allowing me to connect inspiration or a person? And I think yeah. that's something really simple that people can take away those two questions when it comes to them being, having that digital wellness, what else would you suggest for people that are like, I am a little stressed. I feel worn out. I feel overwhelmed, especially with technology. I feel like darts are getting thrown at me all the time. Yeah. Well, like I said, that when I do my trainings, we talk about the purpose of technology. If we really look at the origin are those two questions. So is it helping me be more productive? Is it um, connecting me? And the biggest thing we use our technology for these days is entertainment, right? And so yeah. it's all the fun apps that are on our phone. And so to answer your question, I would say, the best thing that you could do to start out with is to have non-judgmental observation of your habits. Love it. To go yeah. in and say, I'm just going to start paying attention. My first time when I realized, I was like, okay, this is when it's serving me and this is when it's mastering me. And I use this example sometimes is um, I'm scrolling on Instagram so long the night before and I'm finding some hilarious videos. I'm sending them. I'm, you know, I'm just having that. Well, I wake up the next morning and my kids don't have clean clothes for school, clean pants for school. I'm like, my, my technology was mastering me last night. Let's yeah, just be honest. Totally. Um, so, and everybody has a different version of that. So you can go in and I can't, I'm not going to beat myself up about it, but I'm going to notice it and hopefully make a small change the next time. So everybody can kind of go in because it's going to be different. It's going to look different for each person, but to really go in and say, here's how I'm going to evaluate. And then to go deeper is turn on your screen time settings and go. What I love about it is you can go in and it will show you what you spend your most time on. So if most yeah. of your time is on Instagram and you're an influencer and that's a huge part of your job, then you're going to see that a lot of my time was on my job doing that one thing. Or if you were, you know, using your content for on a different app, um, you'll be able to see. But if you have, you know, a game that you play or something like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, there was seven hours spent on this one thing that I could get back. 
could get that seven hours back and use it toward connection or productivity um, or be off of it and use it in, you know, my day to do something more productive. So really having that, um, having that awareness and ob- observing ourselves um, helps us to make those specific choices. Yeah. And I think such a practical way that you mentioned is just the putting on parameters so that we can, like I did probably six months ago, like the 30 minute Instagram time limit. And Mm -hmm. maybe there's some days that I will say, okay, like I'm going to go over today, but I'm mindful about how much time I'm spending. I have a gauge And a lot of times I'm like, okay, 30 minutes is up. I'm done. And so it's not like a boundary that I'm like really hard on myself about. Like, it's not like I can't ever do more, but I promise it has helped so much just for me to be, like you said, aware of how much time I'm spending and being able to like regulate that and honestly making it easier for us. I think we make it like things like that make it easier for us to like navigate and be healthier, like putting some systems in place when it comes to technology And it does take some proactive work and it's so worth it because it takes us out of that kind of reactive, numb, numb state where we're being mastered. And really who wants to be mastered at the end of the day by technology? And our well-being is decreasing when that happens. You know, we're we're wanting to increase our well-being. So what are we going to put in place um, to do that? And to feel better. And specifically when I'm talking to kids about different accounts that they're following on Instagram, when they're setting up their um, social media for the first time, I'll tell them you want to go into your technology and come out of it feeling good. And so doing that, you're really going to have to focus on your well-being. What accounts are uplifting you? What accounts are giving you good ideas for that art that you love? Follow those accounts because that's going to help you with your artwork or different things like that. Um, Because what we do know about especially teenage girls is that one in three feels worse about their body when they're engaging on Instagram. And so they're following accounts that are lowering their well-being by following accounts they're comparing themselves to. And so if we put that into our Mm. um, workplace and our lives, there are things that are actually increasing our well-being or things that are decreasing our well-being and going in and saying, yeah, 30 minutes on Instagram is going to actually make me feel better in my body, in my mind, um, and it's going to promote my well-being. So I'm going to make that choice for myself today. I'm so curious how many people actually feel like that and what percentage of the time. After they've been on Instagram. Yeah. You know, how many I do. I'm curious. I wonder what those numbers would be like. Um, I get mostly shown like protein cookie microwave recipes and dumb <laughs> stuff like that that I never make. Uh, and right now it's like all the Super Bowls, like which I love. I'm like eating every yeah. second of that up because um, I'm a Chiefs fan. Go Chiefs. But <laughs> I yeah, it's just. You know, another thing that comes to mind with digital wellness and I th- is the ability to retrieve information and things when we want it rather than it being pushed to us. Yeah. And to me, that has been another because I'm like, OK, when I need a recipe or when I need to be inspired about like, OK, I've, you know, I'm going to buy a few outfits for fall that's very different than me browsing Instagram, seeing something that I like on somebody and buying it or being bombarded with recipes. And it's, it's like recipes I'm never going to use, you know? And so 
I always try to think about that too. I'm like, all the information is there when I need it, right? So like Mm -hmm. going on to Instagram or wherever I'm going on to with intention rather than just like I'm bored or like, and sometimes I think it's okay. Like I want to check out for a few minutes and just like get caught up, you know? Yeah. Um, and see what's going on. But yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. Well, the history behind that is that when the internet first started, it was the information age and we were able to get information when we wanted it. So we could Google a recipe, we could ask Siri whatever question we wanted, you know, all of that. It's really evolved into the attention economy. And so it's Mm -hmm. grabbing our attention with these algorithms, with the marketing. And we, you know, we always say, if you don't pay for something, you're the product. And so these are something we can just download on our phone and have instant access to, but we're getting ads pushed to our a feed constantly. And so that's why it, it's almost like you have to interrupt that algorithm and some of the, to go find the recipe that you want, or, you know, to go search for whatever that specific dress was that you were looking for, not the one they just put in front of you. Um, but yeah. And, and honestly, some of the legislation and the uh, policy work that we were working on, one of them that passed in Texas that I testified on a bill had to do with harmful algorithms that were getting pushed to kids' phones. And so um, some of those apps they're saying would give parents the option to opt out of the algorithms for young kids on their social media accounts, which would be really helpful because in detrimental cases, a kid a uh, little mm-hmm. a young girl that I testified next to, she was so brave to encourage us to even testify, but she was trying to look up salad, healthy eating recipes, and she started getting self-harm, um, eating disorder content pushed to her page through the algorithms. And so um, it can really get detrimental in those yeah. cases. And so it's like, we have to interrupt that algorithm consciously and say, this is what I was looking for. Sometimes I'll even use the practice um, I'll say out loud what I'm going to my phone for before I hit my screen. Ooh, I like that. Because, I'm going to my phone for this. Yes. Yeah. I, okay. Calendar, March 3rd. And I'll open it and there will be all these text messages that I don't answer immediately. And I go to my calendar and put that date in because you know how many times we go mm-hmm. to put the date in or we go to, oh, I need to text that person. And oh, then, we and then see. I'm like, what did I get on here for? And then three days like, later, like, I never texted them. I meant to oh text them. Yes. So I do. I have started that practice where I'll say it out loud because I'm an audible learner also. So I'll say it out loud and then I'll look at my screen because if I look at my screen first, the thought is gone. No, I love that idea because it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I experience that all the time. I forget. I'm like, why did I pull this up again? Like, yeah. why did I pull up my phone? Everybody so I think it's does. Like, I'm, I'm pulling my phone up to do this or I'm pulling yeah. up my email. Again, yeah. it just goes back to like being the master and not being mastered. Yeah. And I think, you know, I what you just your your experience, what you have um, just even educating us all today, like the origins. I think another takeaway for me is like, okay, it was the information economy and now it's the attention economy, right? We are the products for anything we don't pay for. The simple things, the purpose of technology to productivity or connection. 
saying what we're doing before we hop on our phone. I think we've given everybody some really good things to think about in action. If you could tell somebody one last word, Dawn, that's like wanting to be more digitally well, encourage them. Like I would love for you to have the final word. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. So, yeah, I love your summary. That was so helpful. The name of our organization is Talk More, Tech Less. And that talking part is such an important part of connection Mm. and remaining human in this very digital age. And a quick example of that is how you and I are running this, um, this podcast right now. We're close up to the cameras. You can even see my like red face. We're close up to the cameras. We're engaging. I feel like I'm with you right now. So we're Mm -hmm. using our technology to connect, whereas sometimes on our Zoom meetings, we have all these tiny little screens. We're all really far away. Like there is there's so much connection that can happen with our technology, promoting that human um, connection Mm -hmm. with it. So talk more, tech less and really, really prioritize connection in your life, however you can do it online and offline. Well, thank you. Thank you for the work, the important work you're doing in the world. And I will, I'll link your website and any resources that you want to send over and we'll put it in the show notes for our listeners and viewers. And yes, everybody uh, have fun, make it a fun thing. Um, Decide what action you want to take today to become more digitally well and more distraction free. Thanks everyone for joining today's work therapy session. Always know that you're in good company with us. Go to the show notes and fill out the survey because we love to address your questions or workplace situations on our podcast. Follow us on all social at in good company. If you found this podcast helpful, don't keep it to yourself. Sharing it with your friends helps them get the therapy they need. Until next week, I'm Brooke and you've been listening to work therapy with in good company.